All right, well, with that, let's go ahead and open our Bibles. Uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 1, verse 15 through 22. Again, Romans 1, 15 through 22. And this is Paul speaking. He says, So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And we're going to pause right there. Um, and just consider these verses. Um, being that it's Reach Weekend, um, I actually want to consider these verses in light of um, an argument or an idea um, that I've, I've come across in my lifetime on a number of different occasions, and, and I'm guessing uh, maybe you have as well. And it's, it's an argument that would basically say that um, there are unreached people groups, there are unreached tribes of people, um, and that they are living, a lot of these folks um, are living peacefully. Uh, they're living what would seem to be like in harmony with nature. They're not destroying the land. They're not causing problems to the, you know, neighboring government or, or whatever that type of situation. Um, and they, are, they have preserved their way of life for maybe thousands of years. They're, they're doing what their um, ancestors have done for quite some time. Um, maybe these unreached tribes are actually better left alone. Um, and the argument for this is that because a lot of times when you go in and you try to reach um, these types of people, what can happen is you expose them to some disease that, that they've never been exposed to before, and it may wipe out half the, you know, and this has occurred historically. Um, you know, it can... It can cause a lot of damage. Um, also, a lot of people, maybe Christian missionaries, maybe others, but when they enter into a situation like that, they tend to bring their own culture, their own set of morals, and, and they come in with, with a pretty heavy hand saying, this is what is good and right. This is what you, you ought to be doing. In fact, some of what you're doing is, is criminal. This needs to end immediately. And, and, they, and they come in, um, I guess what you might call heavy-handed, um, and, and a lot of times the result is that, uh, yeah, their culture does get kind of chewed up and destroyed. And in the end, a lot of times their land gets taken by the, <laughs> you know, the government that's, that's in that area. And it's not always a pretty thing. It's not always a good thing. Um, and then from, from a more, you know, spiritual perspective, uh, a, a common question is, is it fair for, because a Christian missionary would say, these people need to hear about Jesus Christ. They haven't heard um, they are under condemnation. We need to go. And a lot, of, a lot of folks would say, you know what, how is it fair for 
a just and, and you know, a, a God of love, I guess, how is it fair that he would condemn someone just because they've never heard about Jesus Christ? Why, why would God do that? Does he even do that? Maybe he doesn't, because that just doesn't sound like God. That doesn't sound like a loving thing to do. Um, and, and so that's, it's a fair question. It's one we have to really uh, give some, some thought to. Um, and, and I think these are kind of questions that, that get asked a lot, and we as believers um, need to have a good answer. Uh, especially those of us that maybe are, are involved in missions in different capacities. We need to have an answer. Why do we do what we do? Um, what, is it biblical? Is it worth it? Um, what, how much money is, is appropriate to divert to this type of activity? What, you know, th- these are important questions we need to wrestle with. So I guess um, keep, keep those questions in your mind. And we're going to walk through these verses uh, one by one. I'm sorry, I didn't put them up on here, so you're going to you're going to have to um, read along uh, with whatever version of the Bible you've got handy there. So we're going to walk through the same verses we just read, Romans one. Uh, we're going to start in verse 15, which says, "So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also, who are in Rome." Um, so this is Paul speaking. Um, who's kind of generally considered to be the first missionary. He's, you know, sent out, and he's, he's from Antioch, and he's, you know, this is what, you know, he's often the model for missionary work, and rightfully so. And he says he is eager. Why is he eager to preach the gospel? Um, and he's going to answer that in the next verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it, that is the gospel message, is the very power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So that's a powerful statement. He says, the gospel itself is the power of God. So if you were to say that backwards, does that mean that God without the gospel was powerless to save? What's Paul telling us? What, what Paul's saying is that God has chosen to offer salvation, but the method he's chosen, the only method he's chosen, is the gospel itself. It's the death, the resurrection, the atoning death um, of Jesus Christ. That is the method. And so that is the power, and that's what Paul is telling us, is that he's not ashamed of the gospel. You can't be ashamed of the gospel because in that message resides the power of God for salvation. Um, and we're, we're gonna go from here, but, but he tells us now that for in it, again, in the, in the gospel message, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Um, so again, why is it that we see God's righteousness in the gospel message? Um, the reason being that, so historically, right, man, mankind, we sinned, we fell away, we rebelled. So when, when God, he didn't give up on us though, right? Um, what he did though is uh, kind of interesting. He said there the, the penalty for that sin in the Garden of Eden was, was death. But then when the sin occurred, he didn't strike Adam and Eve dead that very moment, right? So, so what happened? There are, um, basically, there, there are, I guess you might say there are, are two different things that happened. One is a spiritual death did occur, right? And that we know because we all then kind of followed suit and were born into that. Um, and, and, but because it didn't look like um, the sentence was, was you know, carried out, I, I think you could say that you know, Satan is known as the accuser, um, and he would have, 
he would have an accusation against God to say, hey, how is this fair? When I sinned and, and the other angels that fell and we're now demons, there's no, you know, uh, leniency. There's no uh, salvation being offered to us. Why, why, when humans sin, is it not uh, the same. Why is it? Why, you know, what's, what's going on? Then you give them the Old Testament law and you're still speaking through these prophets and, and what is going on? Where's the righteous judgment, God? What is going on with, with, with humans? Why are you able to do this? And I think God's response basically uh, was one of just wait and see. And what you were waiting to see is um, that Jesus Christ came and he took uh, that punishment for us. And because he lived a perfect, sinless life, he was able, you know, to, to bear that punishment in such a way that, you know, he paid the price for all of us. So it wasn't really until Jesus' death and resurrection that we got to see that wrath, that righteousness of God poured out uh, fully. And, and that was, you know, something that Jesus did not deserve, right? That was what we deserved, and, and so it was at that, at that point that we actually got to see the righteousness, the righteous judgment of God. Um, and ever since that time, now we get the privilege of living in, um, you know, the, the, the post-resurrection time period where we know that his wrath has already been poured out. We get to live in that power and say, it's, it's, we, don't, we don't have to question. We don't have to think, I know God's got something coming. Um, we, we know it, and we get to proclaim that message. It's already been done. The work is finished. The work is done. We get to, na to now live in that power with, with the expectation uh, and the knowledge uh, that we are going to spend eternity with him. And, and what a comfort uh, that that is. The next verse says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Um, and so again here, we're, we're going to see um, why we need to preach the gospel. It is because that God um, ha, is, has revealed and, and is revealing that, that there is a judgment. There is uh, condemnation. There is, there is a wrath that exists. It's a, it's a holy uh, judgment. It comes from God. Um, and we're going to hear now, I guess, the... Um, I guess what, what, what he's going to discuss next really is, is what's called natural revelation. It's, it's <clears throat> kind of the base level of what all of humanity understands about God, whether we like to admit it or not. Uh, he says, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what was made, so that they are without excuse. So, really what Paul is saying here is that, um, and again, this comes right back to the heart of why are there missionaries? Why do we reach out to our neighbors? You know, this doesn't have to be something that gets done overseas, right? Um, this is done right here in this building. It's done right in our neighborhood. Um, it's done anywhere where God takes you. Wherever you find yourself is the place where God wants you to be representing him and to be reaching out and sharing this gospel message. Um, you know, but he says here, this is his natural revelation. He says that all human beings, if you're of sound mind, you will look at the creation around you that, that God created, and you're gonna know something 
about God. You're supposed to look at the expanse of the universe. You're supposed to look at the way you're built and the way God put us together in an amazing, amazing ways. Um, and you're supposed to deduce that this did not happen by accident. We didn't accidentally become assembled over, over a couple million years of time. This was an intentional thing. And God expects us to look at, at the situation and, and realize that. We're supposed to, it says, um, it's been clearly seen by humanity, his invisible attributes, specifically his eternal power and his divine nature. So if his power is eternal, that means it's, it's, it's beyond time, right? It, so uh, at the beginning of time, God was there before that, right? He's eternal. He's there at the end as well. Um, and you're supposed to understand that by looking at the creation that, hey, there must have been something there before it all began. First verse of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the beginning of what? That's the beginning of time, right? So God was the original mover. He was that which created the beginning. He created time and space and matter, you know, and that was, a lot of that is addressed right there in the very first verse of the Bible. Um, we're also supposed to under, understand his divine nature, it says, looking at verse 20. Divine nature meaning he is different. He's not like us. He's separate. He's holy, right? He's set apart, and he's, he's beyond us. There's no human being. We, we can't create a life. We can't create a universe Right? God is beyond us, and he can, and he did. And he did these things. And, and verse 21, the very next verse, it talks about what our response should be. It says, for even though they knew God, they being mankind, um, and we could swap that out for us, even though we knew God, we did not honor him as God or give thanks, but we became futile in our speculations, and our foolish heart was darkened. Um, and so this, again, here, it sounds to me like God didn't raise the bar all that high, did he? The response that we were supposed to give was um, recognize, just acknowledge God as God and honor him, and then just give thanks. It doesn't sound all that difficult, but we, we couldn't do it. Uh, and we don't do it. We, each of us, in our hearts, we're, we're children of Adam and Eve, and we rebel against God. We have the pride in us to say, no, I, I can do it. I, you know, I want to do it my own way. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, this is, this is uh, the result, um, is, is kind of our current situation here. Um, our foolish hearts become darkened. Our conscience gets seared. Um, and professing to wise, they, uh, excuse me, professing to be wise, they became fools, it says. Um, anyway, what, what this comes back to, this kind of, so if we kind of consider this in light of those original questions I asked, um, yeah, why, um, why do we share this message? Why would it be worth it to go into a, a tribe who's never heard about Jesus Christ? Um, and is God going to judge them for not hearing about Jesus Christ? The Bible doesn't say you're judged for not hearing, right? Even here, it says here that mankind, given a natural revelation, they only understand a little bit about God. Just maybe you're going to deduce about his, his eternal power, his divine nature. And then there's only, there was a little bit required in response and we couldn't do it. Um, that, that's, that's the situation. God meets us right where we are and he looks at what we do understand 
Um, so back in verse, at the beginning here, 16, um, yeah, as, as he's discussing um, what, okay, sorry, I lost my place, just one moment. What he holds us responsible for, what I'm trying to get at, is, the, is what we do understand about him. So he doesn't hold you responsible and condemn you because you haven't heard about Jesus. What he holds you responsible for is that you have rebelled. And each of us have rebelled, each in a different way. Um, and, and what it says there is that we um, suppress the truth. The KGV says, uh, renders that as holding the truth. And the idea is that each one of us have some amount of truth about God that we hold, that we grasp, right? And then, that, then we unrighteously uh, suppress that truth. And, and that is an affront to God. That is what we are held responsible for. Um, James 4.17 says, Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So again, we're getting at the idea um, if you know what you should do, what God expects you to do, and you don't do it, then it is sin to you. So God is not holding you responsible for something that you don't understand. And the point is, uh, the answer to the, the argument that I laid out at the beginning is that God is fair. He is perfectly just, always, in every situation, to every person. Uh, Romans 2, so the very next verse after what we've been reading, uh, Romans 2, 12 to 16. It says, For all who have sinned without the law um, will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will then be judged by the law. So again, we're getting at the idea that those who were given the law, the Jewish nation, and anyone who's living um, because they have an understanding and they're living under the law, they are going to be judged by it. But those who, it says, have sinned without the law they will also perish. They will also be judged. But it says here they're not going to be judged by the law. So what are they judged by? They're judged by the standard in their own heart of what they understood. There are some basic things that we all understand about God, right? And that is what God will hold us uh, responsible for. Um, Matthew 7, verse 1 through 2, it says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Right? I think you're probably all familiar with those verses. Um, when you read these verses out loud, I don't know, does it sound like God is being a little petty and vindictive? Sometimes there's a temptation when we read these verses to hear it that way, right? But it's, it's actually, it's not at all. What God is saying here, um, he says, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. So I think part of what he's saying, at least one aspect of it is, when you judge another person, you are recognizing that God has an expectation and that you are agreeing with God. Hey, what this guy did is wrong. It's inappropriate, it's evil, it's sinful. But as soon as you make that judgment against him, you are demonstrating that you understand that God thinks it's wrong, and you're agreeing. So then the trouble with us humans is that we then turn and do the same thing a week later or a month later or in a slightly different way, but we justify it and say, no, no, uh, what I'm doing is slightly different. It's okay that I'm doing it, 
right? But God knows, it says um, that God will judge the secrets of men. So God knows our hearts. He knows in our heart, you know, what we understand. He knows how much truth it is that we hold, and he, he knows when we're rebelling against him and when we are pridefully standing up and saying, no, I'm gonna go my own way. Um, another, another verse, Romans 2, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge, practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. That's Romans 2, 1 through 2. So he says, we are left without excuse, every one of us who passes judgment, because in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself because we end up, it says, uh, practicing these same things ourselves. So it's very similar to the, the verses in Matthew. It's a, it's a similar concept. And, and what we're seeing here is, is God's standard. He doesn't hold us to a standard that we've not been given. So if we're not, if, if, if it was before the days when the law was given, the Old Testament law, they weren't expected to follow every little you know, dot and iota of the law. They couldn't, they didn't have it. But it, it does, in some of these verses, it goes on to say how uh, the, the, the Gentiles, when they do something in the law, when they, when they, uh, they become a law unto themselves because they, by, um, by their very nature, instinct, or their conscience leads them to do something and to follow a part of the law, um, they become um, you know, God, God recognizes, I guess by doing that, they're demonstrating again, they understand what God expects. And there's some part of us that does. And it is, it is that um, that is the reason why uh, it is worth it. It's the reason why we do go to every people group, every culture. Um, and we do need to take the risk. And it is a risk. It's a danger. Um, a lot of tribes and people groups have really been, um, there's a lot of destruction that occurs uh, when you go in wrongly, you know, if you're not careful. Um, and even when you are, you can bring a disease accidentally that ends up creating a lot of problems. People can die. There are major risks, right, to taking the gospel to the world. Um, there are organizations, um, more, more humanistic ones, not, not Christian ones, who would say that what we do is actually wrong. We are actually harming, um, you know, people groups who are unreached. And obviously, it's because they don't share this underlying understanding, right? They're not gonna say, wow, you're right. Their, um, their souls are in need of healing, and they need to hear the gospel message. They're not gonna say that. So what they see is the potential danger. Um, and, and they see some of the, the destruction that does, you know, genuinely occur. But what we should see as believers is that Jesus Christ is the answer. So he's the only answer. Um, the Old Testament law was, was a fragmentary sort of incomplete picture that we were given of God and it, it showed us the sinfulness of our hearts, right? The natural revelation that we can look at God's creation. Again, it's kind of a fragmentary, incomplete picture, but it does show us something of God. We can understand something of God from each one of these things. But when you want to see a complete, whole picture of God, the Bible tells us to look at Jesus Christ. He is the very image 
of God, of the invisible God. And so that's what we have to take to people um, is, is the completeness of who God is. And then hopefully give people an understanding of, of who they are and how they relate then to God so that they understand that in their hearts um, they have rebelled. They have turned away from what they knew to be true. They have sinned against their neighbor or against their children or against whomever it is that they've been doing life with and that they do need a reconciliation with God, right? Um, and, and so what we carry is, is, you know, you don't want to go in heavy-handed with a message of condemnation. Um, you you want to enter in a, in a, in a, uh, a more loving uh, way where we don't try to crush someone's culture and impose our own culture, but you do have to get around to also then saying, you know, not only is God a God of love, but the whole complete gospel message says that you need you need Jesus Christ. You need uh, this reconciliation. Um, and let me tell you about the whole picture of who God is through His Son Jesus Christ. And that is a message that we uh, we have the privilege um, of of bringing. Uh, the Great Commission, it says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I guess I'd like to kind of wrap up with a, a reminder, I guess, that that verse gets applied, rightfully, to missionaries, um, and it is, you know, that's what maybe is the, the propelling force that tends to send people out. But it's, a, it's actually a verse for every single believer. Um, it's a verse that I try to keep in my mind when I'm in the States. You know, you think, oh, I'm not a missionary right now. I'm back in the States. But in truth, that's not true. Any, anywhere you're, you're moving through life, um, we Christians are involved in missions whether it's the way we live, um, a neat story, the, the picture you saw of my kids playing soccer, they, um, they live apparently a bit different than the people around them because they were sitting down with their, their friends and, and uh, a new kid kind of came in and they said, oh yeah, what, what are you? And, and, and they were talking about their background and oh, I'm, I'm Buddhist and my mom's from here and my dad's from over there and, and, and someone said something about my boys and they said, oh, oh, they're, they're Christians. And the one kid said, well, yeah, yeah, so am I. And they're like, it was like, oh, no, no, they're real Christians. <laughs> and it was kind of interesting to see because something that they've been doing, the way they've been living, was, was obvious enough to just to the kids. And the way that they engaged and, and behaved um, made them say that and made them see that. And that's a powerful thing, right? So you can preach the gospel without words through, through your actions, you can preach the gospel. Um, it's also uh, necessary. You have to use words too, right? We need to, we need to be up, up front maybe speaking, but um, a lot of times um, a lot of preaching can be, I guess it's more, not more powerful, but more uh, prolific and effective is when we preach it in our daily lives at work, right? Or to our neighbors or wherever it is. So let, let this verse... Um, ring in the back of your mind and, and not be applied just to missionaries but um, to Christians and to believers and I will try to do the same <laughs>
And uh, if you'd like to talk more um, afterwards, like I said, Ruth or myself will be back at this table. And, and uh, you know, I think these are important um, ideas that we as Christians maybe sometimes don't give a lot of thought to about why it's right or why it's worth it to to go into a people group and share a message that it, it can be destructive sometimes with the way we bring our culture in or a disease. But while there's a risk there, there's also a very, very good reason to do so. And that should give us pause. We should do it carefully and, and slowly, perhaps. Uh, but we, we do still need to do it. Um, so with that, let's close in prayer. <clears throat> Father God, Lord, we love you, and we thank you that uh, thank you that you have chosen to um, to reach out, to reach down to us. Um, thank you that you have spoken to us. Thank you that you've, uh, despite the fact that we we do sin against you, we sin against our neighbor. Um, you yet have chosen to commune with us and you have chosen to give us um, a second chance. You've given us a, a way to salvation, which is a way to just be reconciled to you. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you that uh, we can live in a state of being reconciled to you. And I pray that you'd help us to carry that with us through our life every single day um, everywhere we go, and that we would be able to effectively share that, whether it's the way we live, whether it's the uh, Bible study we might lead, whether it's just conversations with coworkers, uh, whether it's sending missionaries overseas or, or going ourselves, whatever it is, I, I pray that you would help us to uh, do it better um, and, and do it daily and not to forget and be caught up in our own... Um, well, our own anxieties and our own busyness and our own interests and, and all of those things happen and, and a lot of that stuff has to happen. It's just daily life, but um, bring us back. Bring us back daily, Lord, minute by minute even. Just remind us um, that we're here for a purpose, that we are sojourners. Uh, we're in a, a foreign land and that we're gonna come home to be with you one day, but that right now we have a purpose. We have a mission. Um, please don't let us forget and please bless our efforts. Um, we recognize it's actually your mission um, and then we just, we just get to be a part of it. We get to be along for the ride um, and, and in some small way work with you and, and uh, see you move and see you do amazing things. So we thank you for that. Thank you for your love. 